0: Great to see you here in the house today, and welcome to all those that are in our extended seating area and all those joining us online. Can you give yourselves a big hand uh, for being here today? Hey, and by the way, I just want you to know you look fantastic. I just want you to know that. You look fantastic. In fact, tell the person next to you, you look pretty good. You clean up pretty good on Easter Sunday. Yeah. (laughs) You know, when we think about Easter, the things we love about Easter is just the joy of it, right? We love Easter Sunday. We love Easter baskets and egg hunts and new outfits and all that kind of fun stuff. We love the new spring. We love the new time of the year. We love to celebrate Jesus. Uh, But you know, that first Easter Sunday was a little bit different. It wasn't quite as joyful, at least not at the beginning that first Easter Sunday started off with a lot of confusion and honestly started off with a lot of grief. And, uh, you know, you may be here today and you're like, man, I know it's Easter Sunday. I know I'm supposed to be excited, but, but maybe you're walking through a very difficult season. Maybe you're going through a really hard time and, and you're going through a, a, a challenge. Um, you know, what I want you to understand is this, that... Uh, even though you may look great on the outside and your heart is breaking on the inside, that God wants to speak to your heart today. And you can find hope even on a day like today. And so I want to talk about how to find hope when your heart is hurting. So let me you get your Bible. I want you to open it up with me. John chapter 20 is where we're going to be today. If you don't have a Bible, there's one right there at your seat. If you don't have that, Uh, If you don't have a Bible, don't own one, please take that as our gift uh, to you today. John chapter 20, title of the message is Hope for Hurting Hearts. Let me just kind of set up what we're about to read. It was the first Easter Sunday. It was still dark. Mary Magdalene could not sleep. She gets up and slips into the night, headed toward the tomb to try to complete the preparation process of the body that they started Uh, A couple of days earlier. As she approaches the tomb, she notices something's different. That the stone in front of the tomb has been rolled back. And that the tomb is empty. So in a panic, she runs back to tell the disciples that something has happened. They all sprint to the tomb. And sure enough, they find it just as Mary had told them, it is empty. They scratch their head in bewilderment. Nobody really understands what's happening. Nobody's thinking about a resurrection at this point. And they leave. Everyone except Mary. Mary Magdalene, who remained at the tomb, and she was crying. And that's where we pick up the story. Look at, with me, uh, John chapter 20, beginning of verse 11. This is the Word of God. Uh, But Mary stood outside the tomb crying And as she was crying, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you crying? Because they have taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they put him. Mary was crying that morning, and and the word crying here literally means to sob uncontrollably. I don't know if you've ever been with somebody in their darkest moment when they've been sobbing uncontrollably or they're unconsolable. That was Mary in this moment. Completely hopeless. You say, well, why was she crying so, so uncontrollably? Well, to understand that, you need to really understand Mary's story. Mary was one of those people that Jesus completely transformed we don't know a lot of Mary's backstory. I would love to know it, but we, don't, we won't know it, uh, this side of heaven, a lot of Mary's backstory. What we do know is that Mary was one of those people that we're told was possessed by seven demons. Now, one demon would be bad enough, don't you think? Seven is like really, really bad. We don't know what, her, what, what she was involved with, we don't know what she had participated in, we don't know what, but there was a lot of evil in her and around her, but all of that changed the day she met Jesus. When she met Jesus, He he delivered her, He changed her, He gave her life back to her, and she was forever grateful and thankful for what Jesus had done for her. And so she became a part of, I guess you could call it Jesus' support team, all right? She would travel along with Jesus with lots of other people, and they would support Him in His ministry and, and participate where they could, and she would travel, and she saw Jesus transform Hundreds, thousands of lives. She saw miracles happen, dead people living and, and crippled people walking, blind people seeing. She saw it all. But on this day, she was weeping because all the euphoria wrapped around Jesus had now turned to shock and horror. Over the last couple of days, she had seen Jesus brutally murdered on a Roman cross. She had seen his dead body come down off that cross and hurriedly put into a borrowed tomb. She had seen all of his disciples scatter and everything that she had hoped was crushing down. As she stood there weeping, sobbing, she looked into the tomb one more time and there she's, she saw two guys in there, right? Two angels. We're, we're told they're angels. We're not sure if she knew that they were angels. It just says they were two men in, in white. And, and they asked her, why are you crying? And she goes, because they've taken my Lord. I mean, was it enough that they crucified him? Was it enough that they, they humiliated him? And now they won't even let him rest in peace? That somebody's taken off with a body? I mean, she is, she is distraught. Now let me just pause the story there for just a minute and say this, Mary is in a very dark place. She is in a very hurting place. Her heart is absolutely broken. And all the hopes that she had and all the dreams that she had have now faded away. But what I want to show you is how Mary got from that place to a place of hope. You may be here today and... You're in a dark place. You're here celebrating Easter for the first time by yourself. Maybe death or maybe divorce has fractured your family. You're, you're You're here today and you're still jobless. You are still childless. You're here today and you still wrestle with discouragement or depression. You're here and... You just don't know what the future holds. Maybe, maybe your kid's about to graduate from college and, and you're, you're still already starting that grieving process of what life is gonna look like when your family changes. I wanna show you today how to get from despair to hope. And I wanna show you how Mary did it, all right? So if you look with me, let me just give you a couple of thoughts. If you're taking notes, you can jot these down. The first thought is this. Mary learned that day that Jesus is closer than you think. He's closer than you think. Look at verse 14. It says, having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you're seeking? And supposing he was a gardener, she replied, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him and I will take him away. And she turns around, she's had this conversation with these guys, and I'm, I'm sure it's all just a fog to her, and she sees this other person, and, and she doesn't know it's Jesus. She thinks that it's the gardener there for the early shift, and uh, she goes, where, where have you taken him? Where have you put him? If you just tell me where he is, then I'll go get him. You know, it's interesting, there are a lot of people that discover, well, how come Mary didn't recognize Jesus? You know, and they, they try to dive into all the details of why she, she was, wasn't able to recognize him. I don't know. You know, maybe it was still dark. Maybe his head was covered. Maybe her eyes were still flooded with tears and she couldn't make sense of it. Maybe, I, we have no idea. But what I do know is that Mary was overwhelmed with her circumstance and her grief and she just could not see that Jesus was close by. Now listen, sometimes that's us. We're so overwhelmed with our fear. We're so overwhelmed with our grief, our circumstance, our loss, that we feel like Jesus is far away when the reality is that he's close at hand. I remember several years ago, I was, um, I was just in a, I was discouraged. I was going through a really difficult time and things weren't working out the way I'd hoped. I remember being in, in Lubbock uh, where I'd gone to college and I stopped by the little church where uh, I'd surrendered to ministry. And it was during the middle of the week and I went into that little church building probably about half the size of this auditorium. And I sat in the pew by myself and just was seeking God, pouring out my heart to God. And I learned that day that I didn't have to go to a church building to get close to Jesus. In fact, in my grief, Jesus was already coming close to me. You know, the Bible tells us that. I want to read you this verse. Uh, Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. That doesn't say the Lord might be near the brokenhearted or sometimes the Lord is near the brokenhearted. He is near. In other words, when you think he is the furthest from you, he is the closest to you. And in the moments of your darkest despair, in those hard moments, even though you can't see that Jesus is close, he is closer than you think. Even now, he is close to you. Even now, he has not abandoned you. He has not forgotten you. He has not pushed you aside. He is closer than you think. Another thing that Mary learned that morning is that Jesus knows you more than you realize. He knows you more than you realize. Look at verse 16. Jesus said to her, Mary. And turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, I, which means teacher. So she turns around to this gardener, right? And she, she goes, where have you put him? Where have you put him? Just tell me and I'll..." And he, he says, Mary. I don't know. Maybe if he had a hood on, maybe he took the hood down. <laughs> maybe he reached out and touched her on the shoulder. But it was the way he said her name that she knew it was him. You know, you can tell a lot about how, how well people know you by the names they call you, right? If a telemarketer calls my house and asks for Ronald, they don't know me, all right? That's my first name. I go by my second name. No, that's not, they don't know me. If somebody calls me Craig, well, they might, they might know me uh, pretty well. If someone calls me craig then that means they grew up with me, all right? Because that's what they call me as a kid. Um, if somebody calls me PC, then they're probably a pretty good friend, all right? But, but if somebody calls me daddy or babe or, praise God, grandpa as of this week, amen? Come on. Uh, then, then what that means, that they're, 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 that's an intimate name. Only, only my wife and my daughters and my granddaughter calls me that. And, and the point is this, that here is Jesus and he calls her by name. Now, some, some scholars think that maybe if he was speaking in Aramaic and not in Greek, Mary is Greek, if he was speaking in Aramaic, which was the language that he would have, called, he would have probably spoken, then he might have called her Miriam, which is the, the Aramaic form of Mary. Miriam, maybe that was the name her daddy called her, her mom called her. But whatever it was, it was an intimate name that that she knew it was Jesus. Now listen, Jesus knew her name, but what he was telling her is, I know what you're going through. Listen, Jesus knows you by name. He sees you, and he knows what you're going through. He understands the depth of your grief. He understands the depth of your doubt. He understands the thoughts that you struggle with. He understands it all. Nothing is covered in his sight. I want you to see this in in Psalm 139. It says this, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. In other words, what he's saying is, God, you know... God, you know everything about me. You know my thoughts, you know my feelings, you know my pain, you know everything about me. And that's true for you, that God knows everything about what you're going through right now, and he's drawing near to you. And and listen, here's the the hard part. Maybe here's the sad part, is that so many times when we're in a difficult spot, when we're in a a place of discouragement or grief or doubt or hardship, when those things come on us, instead of drawing near to Jesus, we tend to pull away from him. Those are the times when we go, well, I don't want to go to church. And I, don't want to, I don't want to be with God's people. I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to listen to worship music. I don't, want to, I don't want to pray. And we tend to pull away and isolate. And that's just what our enemy wants, isolation. But listen, those are the very times to draw close to the Lord and to God's people. Listen, when you're hurting the most, that's when you need a church family around you. When you're, when you're going through it, uh, that's when you need people that understand what it's like to go there. Let me, let me just a little illustrate that, a little show of hands. How many of you have been through it, all right? And like been through a hardship, difficult time, hands up. All right, so that's pretty much just about everybody, all right? We've all been through it in some time. And we need people around us that will pray for us and love us and care for us. And we can hear God's word and we can worship God even when we don't feel like it. And as we draw close to God, he draws close to us. Mary lingered at the tomb because that was as close to Jesus as she knew how to get to. Close to Jesus as she could get. Let me ask you something. Are you doing that? Are you getting as close to him as you can? Listen, Jesus is closer than you think. And he knows you more than you realize. Let me give you one more thing that we learn out of this. Jesus has a purpose beyond what you can see in this moment. I want you to look at verse 17. He said, don't cling to me, Jesus told her, since I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. He starts off, he says, don't cling to me, Mary. Probably she just grabbed him, right? Don't you think that's probably what happened? She just grabbed him. Lord, I mean, she just couldn't believe it, right? She was shocked. She couldn't believe it. She just grabbed him. And he he didn't say, don't touch me, because later he's going to meet his disciples, and he's going to invite them to touch his hands and his feet. So it wasn't the touching that was a problem, he just said, don't cling to me. Don't hold on to me, Mary. Don't hold on to the way it used to be. Don't hold on to the things of the past because there are new things coming in the future. I have something to do that you can't possibly fully comprehend in this moment. There's something bigger at play here than what you can see in the moment of your grief. I mean, in the next 40 days, he's gonna appear multiple times to multiple groups. He's gonna appear to individuals, to small groups, To large groups, some numbering over 500 at one time. The book of Acts says that Jesus performed, quote, many convincing proofs that he was alive. So he's going to reveal himself alive. He's going to commission his disciples. And then he is going to ascend up into heaven. Now listen, we get fired up about the cross and about the resurrection. And we get fired up about the second coming. A lot of times we forget the ascension, the importance of the ascension of Jesus. When Jesus was ascended back, which he's referring to right here. I'm going to my father and your father, my God and your God. When he ascended into heaven, it was his heavenly coronation. Can you imagine What heaven was like when Jesus walked through the gates? Can you imagine what that was like? That Jesus now is crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he has taken his rightful place in heaven, that he is going to distribute the Holy Spirit and send the Holy Spirit to his people. He's going to ignite a flame that's going to sweep the world with the gospel, that he is going to prepare a place for us, and he is coming again soon. All this is what God had in store. This was all that the bigger purpose that God had. Now, could Mary see that? No. She couldn't see any of that. But it didn't mean that God didn't have a greater purpose. Listen, sometimes in our grief and in our hardship and in our struggle, we can't see the greater purpose. And by the way, it's okay that you can't see it in the moment. It's all right. But God has a greater purpose for you that is beyond Well, you can see. Melinda was a oncology nurse at a children's hospital in Atlanta, and she watched families struggle through seeing their children diagnosed with cancer, and just all the strain that it put on the family, all the fear, all the financial pressure, all this relational strain. And uh, God really put on her heart to do something for these families. So she gathered a few volunteers, and then She invited six families that were going through this trauma to come for a beach retreat on the beach. And and so they gathered there. And just for a couple hours, these kids were not just patients. They were just kids playing on the beach. And she gathered the parents and let them share their heart and their struggle and their pain and their worries and their fears. And they were able to pray for them and encourage them. That first gathering on that beach in the year 2000... Grew into a ministry called Lighthouse Ministry, which now has swept the country, and families are being encouraged uh, because of groups of believers that are loving on them and sharing the compassion of Jesus. In fact, we had an opportunity to have some of those families that are struggling come to our campus this last fall, and we got to minister to them and love on them and just be the hands and feet of Jesus to them. And here's why I tell you this story, because this nurse saw the pain, but God had a greater purpose. Listen, you may only see pain right now, but there's a greater purpose. And Jesus knows it, and he's going to work it out. Mary couldn't see what was going to happen on that early morning. She couldn't see it all. But what Jesus was about to do, and now listen to me very carefully, what Jesus was about to do would open the gates of hope for you and me 2,000 years later, right here and right now. You say, well, how could what Jesus did that long ago have any impact on my life? And that's the good part of the story. See, the Bible tells us the good news and the bad news. The good news is that God created you to know him and to love him and to walk with him in a deep and personal way. Bad news is that we've sinned against God. We've gone our own way. We've done our own thing. We've lived our life. We've said, God, I'm not gonna glorify you. I'm gonna glorify myself. I'm gonna live my life and do it the way I want. And that sin has separated you from God. And when God, though he is just and could judge us for our sin and would be right in doing so, instead of sending judgment, he sent Jesus Christ. And Christ came, born of a virgin, and he walked this earth and he revealed the Father to us, revealed who he is to us. And then he went to a cross, and on that cross, when Mary was singing from a distance, on that cross, she had no idea what was happening, that this was foretold before time began. That all the prophets prophesied about that, that everything God was doing was building up to that. On the cross, Jesus took your sin and my sin and bore it on the cross and died to pay the penalty for our sin. The Bible says he died that day. He said, it is finished which means it is paid in full. They took his lifeless body and they put it in the grave. But listen, three days later, come on, three days later that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that he defeated death and the grave and he overcame the power of sin and he made a way for you to be right with God. Because you don't have to pay for your sin debt, that Jesus paid it, on your behalf. That's what Jesus was doing. That was the purpose. That was the big picture that Mary couldn't see in the moment. But we see it now. We see it now. Listen. The way that you get to hope is you get to Jesus. That's how you find hope when your heart is hurting. We're not going to have all the answers this side of heaven. But Jesus Is where you find hope. Mary found hope at the empty grave. Mary found hope because Jesus was alive. And because Jesus is alive, because he is alive, he is closer than you think. He's drawing near to you right now. Because he is alive, that he can, he has a greater purpose for your life than you could possibly realize, and he will lead you to it. Because he is alive, he knows you and what you're going through, and he will carry you through. I love how the story ends. Look at verse 18. Mary encounters Jesus and it says Mary Magdalene went and and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her. You know, here's Mary. I mean, she's distraught, right? And then all of a sudden she's just overwhelmed. She had an encounter with Jesus and she said, I have seen the Lord and he changed me. He's alive. He's alive. That is this testimony, that is a story of every follower of Jesus. At some point they said, I have seen the Lord. There was a moment in time when my, the blinders came off. There was a moment in time when I realized who Jesus was. I realized his love for me. I realized his death on the cross. I realized he rose again from the dead. I realized that he's the only way to heaven. I realized my own sinfulness and my need for him. And in a moment of saving faith, I said, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Lord, change me. Lord, replace my heartache with hope. Is that your story? Listen, if it's not, it can be. Today can be the day that you leave here and you say, you know, I've seen the Lord. God's changed my life. I want you to bow your heads with me for just a minute. Maybe you're here today and you have a heavy heart and God's been speaking to you about how much he loves you. And maybe you don't know for sure if you're right with God. Maybe you're not going through a difficult season, but you have doubts. You're not sure about your relationship with God. You don't know for sure if you died, you would go to heaven. You don't know for sure that Christ has forgiven you and changed you. But you want to be sure. You know, in John's gospel, he ends his gospel saying, these things were written so that you may know that you have eternal life. This testimony of John, of the risen Christ, was written down and passed on to you, was spoken to you today, so that you can know that you have eternal life. Do you know? And if you're unsure, you can leave here for sure. I'm gonna pray a simple prayer of saving faith and maybe today God's moving in your heart and you know that you need Christ. Then I'm gonna ask you just a minute to lift up your hand and I'll see your hand and I'll just lead you in a prayer right where you're sitting. I'm not gonna stand you up or move you or anything like that, but just lifting that hand is an acknowledgement that I need Jesus. You know, when we were in school if we needed help or something, they'd say, lift up your hand and the teacher will come to you, right? Listen, when you need help and you lift up your hand, that is a sign saying, Lord, I need you. Come close to me. So if you're in this room, if you're watching online, if you're in our additional seating right now, if you need Christ, if you want to be sure that you're right with God, I want you to lift up your hand right now. Just lift it up. All Across the room, okay. Lift it up just high enough where I can see it. Just a moment. All right, all right. Thank you. Thank you. All right, thank you. Thank you. All right, thank you. Lift it up high enough where I can see it. All right, thank you. All right, thank you. I see over there. I see over there. Thank you. All right. Additional seating. Lift up your hand online. Lift up your hand. you can put it down now just pray the simple prayer with me dear Lord I know that I've sinned against you and I know I've gone my own way but I believe Jesus died on the cross for me and I believe he rose again from the dead and so I'm asking you now please forgive me please wash me clean I choose to turn from my sin and to follow Jesus all the days of my life. Lord, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. Father, I thank you so much right now for your word. Thank you for the hope that we have, of the resurrection. That Jesus, you're alive and you're here with us and you know us. And you've got a greater purpose for us than we can possibly understand. Lord, I thank you for our church family where we can be encouraged to walk with you. And Lord, I pray that as we leave today and we go into this world, that we would go with great hope that, Lord Jesus, you are alive and you're coming again, and we long for your coming. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen.